Thank you for joining us today. Whether you are part of the Lighthouse family, be it on-site with us weekly or tuning in online, we'd love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Ely. It's on all our social media platforms. I hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen. Wow. If that hasn't got you going, then maybe you're still in Good Friday. Maybe you need to find a bit of Resurrection Sunday. Thank you, Darren. So grateful, you know. So many people um, really do so many things to make all this happen. And when we come together, you know, you see up here and everything looks professional and, you know, wonderful. And it's, it's a lot of hard work. And I really appreciate those, these guys, these band, the tech guys. Amazing. You know, the, the children's workers looking after, looking after your kids and really giving them the gospel and bringing Jesus alive to them. Ah, oh, I tell you, I love being part of this church, don't you? Yes. Amen. Well, this morning's sermon kind of writes itself. You know, there's, there's only one topic that we can talk about, and that's the resurrection. And what the resurrection did and is doing in our lives. I don't want to get stuck in Good Friday. I'm thankful for Good Friday. You know, Good Friday is where I died to my sin. Easter Sunday is when I rose with him and I've given new life and Christ, he makes all things new. Let's read from Matthew 28, verses 1 to 7. After the Sabbath, it was the first day. The first day, I mean, it was the first day of something amazing. I don't know if Mary quite knew it, and the other Mary quite knew it, but they're going there. It was the uh, first day of the week was dawning. Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, went to see the tomb, and suddenly there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled the stone and sat on it. Isn't that a lovely picture? His appearance was like lightning, clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he is not here. He is not here. He's been risen. And he said, come and see the place where he lay and then quickly go and tell the disciples he's been raised from the dead and he's going ahead of them to Galilee and there you will see him. This is my message to you. Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, is not just the happy conclusion to the grim tale of Good Friday. Resurrection Sunday is the first day of something amazing, something new, something changed, everything. And there's an excitement, I think. There's an excitement in the air today that something new begins. Something new is beginning with us. And I'd say we take this message and we personalise it, we internalise it, and then we, we allow that message to have its work in us as God's Word does work in us, and then we're able to share that, and we're able to live that, and then to embody that. How many want to embody the resurrection life? How many want to know what that means to embody the resurrection life? With Jesus' death, we see the powers of corruption, we see the powers of decay were defeated. And with the resurrection, we see death itself defeated, paving the way for the new creation. 
Could it be that we've had a limited view of the resurrection that maybe in our Western churches we've got this idea that all I do is I say a quick prayer and I make sure I've got my ticket to heaven, you know, because I want to avoid going to hell. But maybe, maybe there's more to the resurrection that includes how we live our life today. What does it change about here and now that it becomes more than just about our eternal destination, that a binary choice between heaven and hell? What if it becomes something amazing, eternal, some new creation, new life that begins here and now? Could it be? What does the resurrection mean to us today as Christ's? followers. It means that there is life here and now and life forevermore in God's new creation. In John's account, all the Gospels, they, they all account for the resurrection. They all account for the crucifixion. And it's like you read backwards and you kind of think, okay, they're all bringing to this to the climax. They're always bringing the story and everything that Jesus is doing, everything that Jesus is saying about the kingdom and the need for repentance and the, and the fact that he's bringing in something new You've heard it said, but I say to you that Jesus is, the disciples are right in this because he wants to lead them up to something that's happening and that happened and is happening today. In John's account of the resurrection, we, say that, we see that Jesus comforts Mary, wipes away her tears. He meets Thomas who has a few questions and challenges him and liberates him from his doubts. And he confronts Simon Peter who had denied him and grants him a new commission, grants him purpose and destination. And, you know, it's, it's true that we live in a world that is corrupt, is corrupted. And we seem to be corrupting all good things. And then the resurrection speaks to that and, and challenges us, but it also comforts us. And it also commissions us. How do we deal with the corruption that's in the world? How do we deal with the corruption that's within our own humanity? We live in a world where we call evil good and good evil. That we know things have been twisted from God's original intention in creation. The ones who were meant to rule and reign are the very ones that are subdued under the corruption of the world. The corruption began in them and it spread through creation. And Paul writes, he says, the whole of creation is longing. What for? They're longing for the children of God to appear. Why? So we can stay the evil that's around us. We can stay the evil that's within us. It begins with us, doesn't it? The ones who are meant to rule. And I tell you that we need to be confronted and confronting. We need to be challenged and challenging. That perhaps the evil that's all around us is in our hearts too. So we need Christ. And we have to realise that we need Christ. We have to realise that it's not just the evil around us is the problem, but it's the evil within us. And therefore it is necessary, essential, that we repent. Repent from our evil hearts. Ask God to come into our lives and to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For God is able to present us blameless and faultless and guiltless in his presence with exceeding glory. 
that he became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It's right if I get a little bit excited in my voice. Just I'll go back to my notes. It is necessary to repent and accept Christ as Lord. That is a challenge. Then we need to reject the world around us. Jesus comforts his disciples and says, Listen, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. You're not of it. We're in the world. And while we're in the world, Christ has work for us to do. There's the commissioning to stay the corruption that's around us and usher in the kingdom of God, where the king is Christ, where his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. And by rejecting the world means that we're not lovers of the world. We're no longer compromised by the world of sin. The the, the love for the world, John writes, is... um, causes us to compromise. We read this in 1 John chapter 2. He says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. And if you do, the love of the Father is not in you. The love of the world is the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of riches. This comes not from the Father, but comes from the world. And the world and its desires and its lusts are passing away. But those who do the will of the Lord, God, live forever. And that's God's purpose and plan for us, to live forever. So have we been confronted? Have we repented of the evil within us, turned our back on the darkness and choose to walk in his marvellous light? Have we been comforted? Have we had the knowledge of the Holy Spirit within us that he has cleansed us, that he has wiped away our tears? And have we been commissioned? What is the great commission to go into all the world? To preach the gospel. For the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. We're confronted, aren't we, by the fact that without the resurrection, we would be lost, dead in our sin and trespasses. And so were some of us. All of us, maybe. All of us were lost until we were found in him. And without the resurrection, that's not possible. Confronted that we were corrupted by sin and we lived in a sinful world, yet we died to that old life when he died for us that we might escape the corruption that's in the world. Peter writes this. He says um, uh, to Peter 1, 3 to 4, that God has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him that we might be called according to his glory and his purpose. And he has given us precious great promises that we might through these great precious promises escape the corruption that's in the world. I tell you, we've got something that we can hang on to that no matter how bad it gets, no matter how dark it gets, no matter how people twist things, We can say, no, I'm holding on to God's great and precious promises because God has done this for me. Hallelujah. He has done this for me. He set me free from the power of sin and darkness. And one day I'll be set free from the power of death because I'll have that new creation that awaits me. He says, we escape the corruption that's in this world because of lust. Lust lust demands, doesn't it? Lust seeks after its own way. Lust is prideful. Lust is all the opposite things to love. 
And we see it the world around us, but we're not subject to the world of lust. We are subject to the love of Christ, born in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, this is wonderful, 2 Peter again, he says, then you become partakers of the divine nature. As human beings, in a corrupt world. I'm getting way more excited than you are about this. That you may become participants of the divine nature. I can't even begin to unpack what that means. And then comes that comfort, doesn't it? That we have been made right with God. That when the day of judgment comes, we've got no fear in the day of judgment because that perfect love in us has cast out all fear. The judgment isn't something that we are scared or frightened of because that white throne of God, he's going to clothe us with white robes as we stand before him as his bride, white and pure, clean, made clean, made holy, washed whiter than snow. Though your sins were red as scarlet, they shall be made whiter than snow. As far as the east is from the west, how far is the east from the west? That's pretty far. The thing is, if you keep going north, you'll eventually go south. But if you go east, you can keep going east for a very long time. It never ends. And if you go west, how far can you go west? You keep going west. If you go north, at some point you have to tip round and go south, don't you? And we don't want things to go south. I tell you, we've been made right with God. Ah, oh, I tell you, the resurrection. There's that old hymn, isn't there? Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Shall I sing? No, I won't sing that. Thank you, honey. So tempting. Jesus wipes away the tears from his disciples, and what does he do? He breathes into them new life, and he commissions them. Jesus Christ's resurrection goes in hand in hand with his commission. He tells his disciples just before his ascension, he says, you shall receive power to be my witnesses. And we know Christ has made us the ambassadors of him. His ambassadors, what does that mean? That we have partake of the divine nature and in some way represent him, speak for him. That's a commission. That is a commission. That is, we are acting on his behalf. And that, that, that sounds too presumptuous to even say out loud. Christ has made us his ambassadors and he has given us the message of reconciliation. Good Friday tells a story, doesn't it, of the Passover lamb that was slain, the spotless lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, John the Baptist said. And for those who put their faith in, their, in him and repent of their evil ways will find forgiveness and removal of their sin. And the resurrection. They had so many ideas of what the resurrection would be in that early part of uh, the first century in, in Judaism and in, in Palestine there. And their expectation was the king would rule. The Messiah would return and God would finally be king. And there was this end-of-age resurrection expectation where all would be restored, God would finally be king. This was different to the story that we tell where, say, oh, if we pray a prayer, we'll get to heaven. 
If we don't pray the prayer, we'll go to hell. There's, Jesus looks at the resurrection as something that absolutely changed everything. And he was chatting to Mary or Martha and they said, yeah, we know resurrection's the end time. And Jesus was like, no, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection. Jesus embodies the very thing that we need. And then when he takes communion, when he, at the Passover, they partake of that very thing. This is my body. This is my blood. So Christ embodies the resurrection, life. He embodies life. And as we partake of him, we find life and life eternal. It's not at the end of the age, not just at the end of the age, because at the end of the age, the dead will rise. But he embodies the resurrection here and now in our life. This new embodied life in a, recent, in a resurrected creation. And we see Jesus' resurrection as the beginning of something. John says this. Let's read that book of Revelation, chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God and they will be his people and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more for the first things have passed away. And the one who's seated on the throne says, See, I'm making all things new. Write these words down for they are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of water of life. And those who conquer will inherit things. And I will be their God and they will be my children. You know, God's plan right at the beginning was that God wanted to dwell with, with mortals. wanted to dwell with us humans. He wanted us to rule and reign as kings and priests and he wanted him to be part of it. But we know what happened. We know what happened. And John's here is talking about not the old creation that was corrupt, but the new creation that is uncorrupted by pain and death and tears and this is the resurrection, is the marking the first day of the new creation. You know, Matthew, he talks about the long-awaited Messiah bringing in the kingdom of God. John talks in his gospel about the word of God becoming flesh and dwelling among us. Interesting how John starts his writing with God dwelling among us, Emmanuel, and he finishes with God dwelling with us. Can't you see this was the plan all the way from the beginning? But creation was corrupted. Finally, he says, God has become flesh and made his home with us initially, this here and now, and then eventually again in the renewed heaven and the renewed earth. The resurrection includes all the things about wiping away tears, fearing, freeing the disciples from their fears and their doubts, and giving people purpose, 
You see, for Mary and for the other disciples, there was a message to tell. And Jesus says, preach this message and then the end. And then the end will come. And then and only then will the end come. Resurrection wipes away tears. It confronts us. It challenges us. It comforts us. And it commissions us. And it's still doing that today. The resurrection changed everything. On the cross, we see that sin was defeated in the resurrection. We see the death being defeated, leading to this new age, this new creation that's to come. And when we look at what John wrote to Revelation, we see it in its fullest, that which has already begun to happen. And it's worth noting the Bible doesn't end with our souls being saved and going to heaven. The Bible ends with the new Jerusalem and new heaven coming to earth. It ends with the God dwelling among human beings. The first heaven, the first earth pass away as they're corrupted and their corrupt condition has been put to an end. Even the sea has been passed away. I've been wondering about that. What's wrong with the sea that this old fisherman would write about? But maybe it's a, a metaphor for something that's dark or evil. Or, but the, the sea is gone so there can't be any more corruption. I don't know, maybe something like that. But with corruption gone, with sin gone, that cycle of sin and death is once and for all ended. That's why the resurrection tells us this. That the fact that he rose from the grave proves he's doing a new thing and he's done a new thing. And that statement in there, behold, I'm doing a new thing. I tell you, this was predicted in Genesis chapter 3 when the Messiah would come and, and deal with the sin, deal with the old serpent of old with Adam and uh, Adam and Eve and the, the Isaiah, he knew, didn't he? He prophesied Isaiah 65 verse 17 that there's coming a new heaven and a new earth and the things from the past will not be recalled. Isaiah talking to those coming out of exile, looking for that, uh, that place of God, looking for that position, looking for that land. You know, that's what's important to Israel is that the king is back on the throne, that God is in charge and we have our place back. And Isaiah is saying, listen, one day it's all going to be renewed, restored, and there's going to be a king. And that king's going to look like a servant to begin with, but then he's going to rule and he's going to reign like the son of man. I tell you, we put our faith in God, don't we? We put our faith in God and we know that this earth that's passing away is not our final home. We look to that day, like Paul says to the Ephesians, he says, when he brings unity, all the things in heaven and earth, all together under Christ. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're longing for. I want to close with this. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians 5, I love this. This kind of just encapsulates, encapsulates? Encapsulates, that sounds a good word. For the love of Christ urges us on because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all so that those who might live might live no longer for themselves but for him who died and was raised for them. From now on, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from that human point of view, we know him no longer that way. 
tell you, isn't that a comfort? That you're no longer your old sinful self. You are in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he says, there is a new creation. Everything old passed away. See, everything has become new. Isn't this the same kind of language that John is using? Everything become new. I tell you, we need to embrace that today from Resurrection Day. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and now he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins and trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, representatives. And God is making his appeal to, uh, through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Do you feel challenged, confronted? Do you feel comforted? Do you feel commissioned? Challenged that we're no longer to live for ourselves. We're dead to that old life. No longer living to the, according to the corruption of this world. Have we been comforted that we are a new creation? Have we been comforted that our sin has been taken away? That he's given us new life? That he's breathed his Holy Spirit to, in us, to us? And have we been commissioned when he said, wait to his disciples until you receive power from on high, power to be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth? And they received that power. I tell you, I'm looking forward to the next few weeks of preaching because we are talking about the Holy Spirit. We are talking about leading up to that Pentecostal praise on the end of, end of May that we've got coming up. And I'm, I'm believing that just amazing things are going to happen. So raise your expectations over the next few weeks as we come out of uh, understanding what the resurrection means and into what being filled with the Holy Spirit means and being commissioned. Do you know that you've been commissioned as ambassadors of Christ? Do you know that your job is to bring reconciliation, to bring the agents, to be an agent of those who usher in the kingdom of heaven on earth here now? How many know life can be hell or heaven? And sometimes it's our choice, isn't it? I know we've made mistakes. I'm not standing up here telling you my life is perfect, that I've not allowed evil into my life, that I've not entertained things of evil. But I do know I have a Saviour. And it's not like I'm living in this, you know, do evil, repent, do evil, repent cycle all the time. I think God wants to grow, us to grow up from that. He wants us to be embodying good, bringing good into our souls. And we have to guard that sometimes. Sometimes, you know, we have to guard all the time. We have to guard ourselves. Let no corrupt thing come out of my mouth. Let no corrupt thing come before my eyes. I know we're, we're human. I know there's the world around us, but 
We're not of that world. You're not of that world. Stop allowing the corruption of this world to come in to corrupt you. If we're serious, if we're serious that we are commissioned to bring heaven to earth, then we need to do the first thing that Jesus preached, which is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Maybe that repentance doesn't look like you're some mass murderer or you know whatever evil thing that we can think of, but maybe that, maybe that is unbelief. Maybe you're sitting here or you're listening at home and thinking, you know, I don't believe this stuff. I'm a good person, you know, maybe I'll, I'll make it. I'll hedge my bets. I'll maybe say a quick prayer. Come and get out of jail card. How many know that's not how it works? You know, we read in the news just recently, someone who we know was killed in a motorbike accident. Young fella, little kids. We know him well, we know his family. And I just thought, you know, we never know the, the day, the hour. A sobering thought, you know, I ride a motorcycle. I enjoy riding a motorcycle. But he knew the Lord. And there is comfort in that. Because we'll see him again in the resurrection. We'll see him again in the new heaven and the new earth. We'll see him again. But there's that pain, isn't there? There's that pain. And maybe if you're listening, watching at home, where whatever, you're picking this up from. You say, I don't know the Lord as my Saviour. I still entertain evil things in the world and I still see corruption in my own life and I just, I want to repent. Repent is simple, it's turning around. I've been living a life without Christ, without hope, in unbelief. And I don't know if my life will carry on for. A long time or a short time. Amen. Jesus says, I'm coming back and you neither know the day nor the hour. I come as a thief in the night. Are you ready? Have you got the oil burning in your lamp? We're not like the foolish. We're like the wise. Lord, fill us with that oil. Help us, Lord, to turn our lives around and repent of our sin and saying, I'm sorry, Lord, that I haven't believed in you. I'm sorry I haven't trusted in you. And I thank you for what you did on the cross, taking away my sin. And I choose from this day to live for you. I choose you. I choose life. I choose resurrected life. And I trust you to comfort me. And I trust you to commission me. Lord, I want to bring heaven to earth. I don't want to be lost in my sin and darkness. Let's close with the Lord's Prayer. If you know it, you can say it along with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.